Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. I am your host, Samuel Abraham Perez. And just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ. And this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those who are not like me. I wanna talk, but I really wanna talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2023. Nothing is off limits and I wanna be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to and we do accept donations and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who wanna become patrons of the podcast. I'm gonna be putting up a little picture here of all of our wonderful donors, which I'm so thankful for. They keep this podcast running every single week, every single month. And so I'm so grateful for them. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description and you'll find the link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website, samuelabrahamperez.com, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. On today's episode, I'm gonna be answering a couple of your questions. So the other day I was um, actually on my direct messages and I was reading some of my direct messages and there was a girl who had asked me a question. I was like, oh, I want to uh, I want to answer this on a podcast uh, because it was a very long question. <laughs> but then, like, for some reason, I couldn't get the audio. So I'm not going to be answering your question. But I did post I, I posted a story of just like uh, people who I was like, oh, do you do you guys want to um, ask me a question? And a lot of people responded with a bunch of questions. So I've got those written down and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the first question that I want to tackle is the question, how are you doing? <laughs> I think I love that question the most because that is not a question that I get very often. Usually people don't care how I'm doing or how my life is or, you know, how I am spiritually. Um, but I've been, I've you know, I believe that this season is a season of pruning for me. It is definitely a season of discipline. Um, it's, a, it's a season of experiencing things. I just want to experience things. No, I'm joking. That was a, that's a Kylie Jenner joke for all of you who are on TikTok, Gen Z, <laughs> not millennials probably. But, um, but I feel like the Lord is really pruning me in this specific season. Um, there's a lot of things that I want to accomplish, a lot of things that I want to do. And I just feel the Lord just removing some things out of my life to just help me in my spiritual journey. And so I'm always looking in my own, in my own life just for more intimacy um, more time to spend with God. I'm also just, um, I also just got back from California too. I haven't made a podcast about my, my time in, in California, which I guess I could sum up for you guys just a little bit since this is my podcast <laughs> and I could do whatever I want. <laughs> but um, I was in California and um, I had an Airbnb there for about like, I think it was a month. And, um, and yeah, I just got to meet a bunch of people who were there um, I got to hang out with a bunch of ministries like Circuit Riders and a dwelling place in Anaheim and just visiting different churches to see what's up and see what God is doing in those areas. Um, I really enjoyed my time over there. Um, I had a lot of fun and I was constantly hanging out with people who were just in love with God. Shout out to one of my friends, Yusuf. He was so awesome, uh, just keeping me company there. And my friend Sergio, the worshiper who's on TikTok. We made some TikToks together as well. Um, but I was thinking of kind of moving to California. I just don't know what the process of that is going to look like with God. After California, I, re I did receive some prophetic words um, that I might be going there to do ministry or even to stay over there. But I really have to hear that from God myself. And I haven't had kind of that answer from the Lord just yet. Like I haven't heard God be like, go to California. 
this is the house that I'm going to give you. This is the apartment. And, you know, people say all the time, just move by faith, move by faith. Um, but I, I don't know. Something in me is just like I don't have that peace surrounding that just yet. Um, and when I got back to Florida, to uh, back to my studio, back to um, where I usually live, um, I just felt like God was telling me, you still have a couple, a, a little bit more time here. And, and I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I'm, it's, it's good to be with my family here. It's good to still be in the place where I grew up. It can be a little lonely, I would say. I don't have a bunch of friends, as you guys are aware, in the Florida region. That's why I did want to go to California because I have a ton of friends over there. I, it seems to be that I have friends pretty much everywhere <laughs> in the United States, but in in Florida. I don't, I've only got like two friends in Florida and they're both females. Um, and so um, I'm really looking and wanting that community. I'm, I'm looking for um, ministries that will help support my online ministry and the online church that I have going on in Discord. Um, but pretty much how I'm doing is I'm just kind of getting through the day, uh, doing my Bible studies. Those are also really helpful for me and all, as well, very helpful for people out there. We're in the book of Jeremiah. So if you guys haven't listened to it, you totally should. Um, but yeah, it can be a little lonely, but I feel like the Lord is pruning. He's disciplining me. He's um, showing me things that I feel are necessary in this season. I don't know how else to describe that into detail, but things are really good. <laughs> I think I think, um, I think think a, a, a good thing is like, it's better to just, it's not to be like great, um, but like it's better than being bad. And things are not bad in my life right now. Thankfully, I'm <laughs> blessed and highly favored. Um, <laughs> things, things are going okay. And I think okay is 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 good enough for me. That's what I would say. Um, so thank you so much for that question. I forgot who I didn't put the, the name of the people who asked the question. So the next question that we have up is what is it like being a spiritual leader and still having same sex attraction? Oh, um, well, I have to say it's not easy, uh, not easy at all. Um, I think one of the things that I constantly have to get past is judgment. I feel a lot of judgment from uh, ministries. I feel a lot of judgment from Christians. Um, even judgment for myself. Am I doing things right? Am I not doing things right? Also, one of the biggest fears that I have, um, especially when I first started doing this ministry, one of the things I always told God was, God, I don't want to end up like all those other men who have come out of the lifestyle and then gone back into the lifestyle. I think that can just be so damaging. I would rather God just kill me than like ever go back into that lifestyle. So when I told God, I was like, God, once I leave this, like if I ever try to go back there. If you know I'm going to end up back there, just kill me. Just like, just get me to heaven before I get there. Um, because at the end of the day, I think what's the most important is, um, it, it is just to keep that relationship with Jesus. And so I fully have relinquished my, uh, my fears, my anxieties, my worries when it comes to that aspect. Um, but being a spiritual leader, having all that pressure of just like the pressure of not going back to things that you used to do. And I, and I think to some extent, we all do have those moments of, wanting to go back to Egypt. I mean, we see that all the time in scriptures. And by Egypt, I mean, our sinful lives or our lives without God. That, you know, we have times where we we make mistakes or temptations or, or even a period of time where, we, you know, we walk away because of our disappointments or even, um, uh, you know, our, yeah, our disappointments when it comes to God. And we go back into that world for a little while. Um, I, I think that is normal. Uh, that does happen, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for, for a long time. So even to put your put that pressure upon you is that, oh, I'm going to be perfect to the day that I die. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I'll be perfect. I would like to hope that I would be perfect. I have not been perfect in my journey and in my walk with Christ, but I've always, no matter what has happened, always turned back to him. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things that I have a lot of fear still attached is like, ah, I don't want to end up like the stories of like so many in the past. Um, and, and I'm always carefully guarding my heart to make sure that I don't do that. Um, and, and just, you know, guarding my heart against many different things, having a lot of boundaries. I think one of the boundaries that I can think of the most is, um, like when I first was thinking about going into ministry, um, there was like a harsh boundary of just um, not making sure that I never engage in any type of sexual activities with people of the faith. And I'm being completely real, completely raw here. Um, is That was like, because I would read that scripture in the Bible that says anybody who leads like little children to, to sin is better that you, you know, tie a millstone to his neck and like, you know, <laughs> but basically drown them in the water. And I always had so much fear, um, like a healthy fear of God attached to that scripture of just like, look, if you're going to act out, make sure you don't act out with people in the faith. Um, and it's not not to allow any type of acting out as at all. But um, I always was very careful to make sure that I'm like, OK, look, there's boundaries that I've set that this is a line that I never, 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 never want to cross. When, you know, you tempt a brother or sister in the faith, I feel like I don't know why. Maybe, maybe other people feel this way as well, but I feel like it's so much worse than tempting someone who's out of the faith because someone who's out of faith, they don't have any faith, which is dumb too, to think of anyways, because you're supposed to be a representation of Jesus. And so tempting someone outside of the faith is like just as bad as being with someone in the faith. But something about that scripture, just like <laughs> I have a healthy fear of the Lord when it comes to that scripture. So those are always like the, uh, the boundaries that I've set for myself. And so that's also just like uh, another healthy fear of God that I have attached as being a spiritual leader is that I don't want to get engaged in any type of sexual activities with anybody in the faith. Um, I don't want to go back into my old lifestyle. And then also just being um, that individual and that person that people look up to, that's a lot of heavy pressures. Um, so I would say that my experience, my experience being a spiritual leader has been one filled with a lot of worries, a lot of anxieties. That's why I never wanted to be a leader to begin with, because it is a lot, a lot of pressure on you all of the time. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I was born to do this because this is exactly I'm walking in God's perfect will for my life. And if I'm here, it's because he wanted me here and everything I do, I do by his strength and not by my, my strength alone. And so. It hasn't been easy, but it is definitely something that I enjoy doing. I don't think that if I had a regular nine to five job or if I wasn't in this position that I would be as happy as some of the doing some of the things that I do. And and besides the fears and uh, the disappointments and the stresses and um, there is a lot of benefits attached to it, too. Um, I get to change the life lives of so many people all around the world. And, um, and I think that is such a rewarding thing. So, I mean, if somebody was looking at me and saying, well, I want to be a spiritual leader and I have same sex attraction, um, I wouldn't want to discourage them to say, oh, you should just be scared all the time. You should just be fearful all the time. Um, because once again, it's, it's the Lord that's going to lift you up. It's the Lord who's always going to strengthen you. He's always going to be the one who's going to protect you, um, from the decisions that you make, um, and the decisions that you will make. Um, and so, I think for me, I, like I wouldn't want to discourage someone. I would tell them these are the benefits. The benefits are, well, you get to change the lives of so many people around you. You get to give hope to people. And on top of that, like you get to walk in the perfect will of God over your life. And so if he's wanted to help you to be a leader, like I think that's a beautiful thing. 
Um, can it be stressful? Yes. Yes, it is very stressful. Uh, but like I said, I, 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 I'm pretty happy doing it. And I'm pretty happy being that person that is the example or the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The person that creates the path, the pioneer. I'm happy to be a pioneer for many people who are to come who have dealt with same-sex attraction. Because when I think of um, people who have come to the faith and still have, let's say, unwanted same-sex attraction, um, I, don't, I don't know a lot of stories of young people who have done that. I don't know a lot of people who have done it in an untraditional way, in the way that I have done it. And so to be a pioneer in this area, I think is is rewarding for me. And um, and it makes me very, very happy. And so it's stressful, but <laughs> I, I'm happy doing it. And, and, and I think just like, let's say, for example, 10 years from now, there's like 10, 20, 30 people who have also continued in this ministry of having same-sex attraction, but still wanting to follow God 100% and not giving into those attractions. I think I would be very happy if they were inspired by me or someone inspired by this ministry. That would make me very happy. So that's what it's been like being a spiritual leader, <laughs> having safe sex to Jackson. <laughs> uh, a lot of rejection from the ministries as well. <laughs> a lot of rejections. You have to, you have, to have a tough skin. Uh, so the next question that I have here is, what verse talks about homosexuality specifically and not men who engage in pedophilia? So this is a very difficult question. Um, I didn't I know that a lot of people, they write Romans 1 as the primary example of a, a verse that is talking about homosexuality, you know, men having sex with other men and women having sex with other women, you know, and people always like to make the excuse that that, um, that word, which I can't remember right now, I think it's uh, cornea or something like that. Um, I've done my research and study on that word and I have other uh, podcast episodes directly about that. Um, but I think people have made the case and the argument that that is only talking about men who are lusting after other young men because that's what was um, propagated within that society. Just today, I was listening to like this history episode about Nero and how Nero had married a young man who um, who he decided <laughs> to castrate and turn into a female and then turn into his wife. Um, and so that was very common back in those days that it was just like, oh, a, a grown man would get a man of a younger age and you know, it was like pedophilia. They would engage in sexual affairs, even take them in marriage. And someone as popular as Nero, who, um, by the way, blamed the uh, infamous buyers of Rome on Christians. If you're not aware about that, uh, you should look into that. It's an excellent story, uh, a little history lesson there. But uh, he he even himself uh, took, took a man uh, into marriage, a young man. But I don't believe that that word, uh, I'm not sure if it's cornonea or a different word. I should have written that down before I started this podcast. But that word has is not just talking about pedophilia. It's talking about every type of sexual activity between men and men and women and women. And especially when you're looking within the context of Romans 1, it's talking about how things that were in order are no longer in order. And people who have God are still in order, but people who don't have God are out of order. And so one of the verses that I love to look at that doesn't specifically name homosexuality, and, and if that's a must for you, like if you're just like, I must have a specific verse when it comes to um, homosexuality in the Bible. Well, there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't specifically um, talk about. And and, and you, some things you just have to take the context of the entirety of the book. Like when I look at Genesis, I look that there is a male and a female. I don't see that there's a male and a male. I don't see any, any positive affirmations from God regarding male-to-male -male relationships. Um, even when I look at the friendship between David and the friendship between 
um, uh, his best friend, Jonathan. Um, it's a friendship. You know, there, there's no positive affirmation when it comes to romantic love. Um, any type of sexual, uh, I don't, I don't want to say uh, sexual deviancy um, in the Bible is, is frowned upon. And so we have a established natural order from God in the beginning in the garden. And that is to getting back to the garden should be our 100% number one um, uh, goal. Because in the garden, that's where things were perfect. That's where things were right. That's where things were, you know, exactly the way that God wanted it to be, right? And and how do we see things in the garden? It's just, it's a male and a female and they complete each other because they came out, well, the female came out of the, ma the man and they are complementary uh, towards, against, uh, towards each other. And so I think to me, that is the biggest thing when it comes to homosexuality is just like, here's the perfect example of how God created something. And then when sin entered the world, there was all other types of orders. And so I'm always going constantly right back to the original order in the Garden of Eden. Um, but like I said, if you need that specific, uh, specific, specific verse in the Bible when it comes to homosexuality, um, I think Romans 1 definitely, that, that word koronea, I hope it's that word. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to sound so dumb. But um, that word specifically, I believe, is talking about um, homosexuals male to male, even though people debate it. They, ha they really have no debate. I mean, one of, the, one of the debates that I saw was between Dr. Michael Brown and Reverend Brandon Robertson, if I believe, and that's up on YouTube, and they kind of hash, hash it out together. But honestly, with me, when it comes to, I think one day I'm going to come out with a book where it's just like, but many books have been written. I feel like people don't read them. And so I think my experience is the most powerful testimony of that. It's just like, I once was a part of many homosexual relationships and I saw no fruit in those relationships. And I saw how men were idolizing themselves, men were worshiping themselves, men were looking for their own pleasure. And of course you can get that in heterosexual relationships as well, not just homosexual relationships. But I saw that they're really, that God was never a part of any of those relationships. And they seem to always take a very deep, dark turn almost immediately or in a couple of years, because once again, God is never in the center of that. And if you put God into the center of that, eventually he will convict the person who's in that relationship in the same way that he convicted me. He convicted me when I first came to Christ about my homosexual activities and, and I just didn't want to do them anymore. I wanted to follow God fully and, and he totally changed my mind about something that I never thought would ever be changed. And so... The next question that we have, how should Christians handle social issues? I get this question a lot. I think this also is kind of the question about the girl in the beginning that I, I don't remember what her question was, but I think it was something along these lines. How do I treat someone at work who maybe thinks that I'm a hater or I have homophobia because I'm a Christian or let's say pronouns or, you know, all this other stuff that we're dealing with the world today, transgenders, drag queens, all this stuff. Like, how do I deal with these social issues? Um, number one, I say, don't box yourself in. I don't like to box myself into any type of labels, even when it comes to Christianity, because I feel like most people, when they think of Christianity, they're not even thinking about biblical Christianity per se. They're thinking about the idea of Christianity that they have. So if you go out and you say, oh, I'm a Christian, that really doesn't mean what you think it means to most people. And so to box yourself in that corner of just being like, I'm a Christian and I stand up for my faith and I'm doing this. Like first you, I would, I would directly talk to whoever it is you're dealing with these social issues with, um, about what is their perspective when it comes to being a Christian. Uh, so I live my life, um, and my relationship with God almost as this, 
as if it's a secret and it's something that I treasure. It's something that I hold very close to my heart um, in the same way. Like I think one of the verse that comes up to me, um, comes into my mind when I think of the Bible is the verse where um, Mary was being prophesied that she was going to um, have Jesus. And she held all these prophecies that were given to her by the angel in her heart. And she guarded her heart. Um, I think it's very important that, you know, our faith is the most precious thing to us altogether. It's something that is should be your most valuable, valuable treasure. And so when you're thinking about just putting your most valuable treasure for everyone to see and putting it on display, that's like if I bought a Ferrari and then I just like left it out in the street all of the time and just like, hey guys, I have a Ferrari and I'm just like driving it through the ghetto. And I'm just like, hey guys, I have a Ferrari getting out of my car. Look at my beautiful Ferrari. You know, like it's like, this is something that's valuable. I wouldn't necessarily show it off like that because it could be destroyed. It could be stolen. It could be targeted. Um, and so I like to live my, my Christian life very privately. And I only talk to people about, let's say, my opinion when it comes to social issues. When I hear from the Holy Spirit to speak to that individual and you have to use discernment because that's the first thing that people are going to go after when it comes to your Christianity is that they're going to want to get you all riled up. They're going to want to tell you, oh, I have um, I have a problem with with this and they're going to want to upset you so that in some way, shape or form you get angry or you start not to represent Christ in a, in a, in a positive light. Um, and so I think don't fall into that trap. Have discernment when it comes to individuals about sharing your faith and what you think about certain things. So if someone comes up to me and they're like, Samuel, you know, I heard that you're a Christian. Uh, what do you think about people who are gay? I say, you know, I, I would honestly, I wouldn't answer that question. Like I'd, I, I would be like, I'd be like, um, I don't know. What do you think about God? <laughs> like I would just, I would ask them the question. And they'd be like, oh, this is what I think about God. And I'd be like, oh, either that's correct or that's wrong, you know? And then I would help them on a journey of like just answering their questions about what what the, what really is God about. Um, I would kind of like uh, flip it, like do a reversal, <laughs> reverse psychology. Because if I go right into it, oh, yeah, you know, I do believe that gay is a sin and blah, blah, this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like I'm going to get them mad. They didn't want to know about the question to begin with. You know, I didn't use discernment in that situation. Um, and even things like pronouns. Oh, um, I want you to use he, she, you know, she, she, her, or we, are they, them, whatever. Um, and someone comes up to me, what do you think about that? You know, it's like, I don't, you don't have to give an answer like that. Um, and I think, I think most people are compelled to give an answer because they, they feel like they're not being a good enough Christian if they don't say, if they don't stand up and be like, no, I believe you know, and like a male and a, and a female and, you know, and this is my traditional values. But remember, it's like, it's so easy for someone to target you, to attack you when you do do those types of things. And then in reality, you're not being a good witness to anybody um, because they're not, their hearts are not open to receiving. And whenever I think about it, someone's like, oh, but Samuel, we have to talk about being a Christian. Like you, you're just scared or you, you have fear of man. No, that's not true. Because when we look at the Bible, Jesus always, he, he hid his answers as well. He spoke in parables for that exact reason. Number one, it was a form of judgment. I love when he when he taught in parables because he was basically saying, look, not everyone is going to be able to understand what I'm saying. And therefore, I'm going to make it even harder for them to understand because those who really want to understand, they will be able to through these parables. But those who have totally closed themselves off, they won't even know what I'm talking about. And so 
if you can, when it comes to social issues, talk in parables, you know, do that reverse psychology where it's like you ask them a question instead of them asking you a question. And eventually they'll tire out. They're like, but I just want to know if you think that being gay is a sin or, or, or you think, you know, should it be pro-choice or pro-abortion and all these types of things, you know, they're just trying to they're trying to create a hole so that you fall into that hole and then they get angry you get angry everybody's upset and then you don't get to witness to anybody right and so we want to have love and and i think just like using discernment to being like okay what does this person really want to know do they actually want to know about god or do they just want to know or do they just want to be upset with me um and i think that should make you know social issues uh a little bit easier to be able to discuss so hopefully that was a, a detailed answer. <laughs> um, some of these questions are very how general, so I can't get super detailed into it. Um, but here is question uh, number four. How can I find community in the church with SSA? So this is something that I struggled with a lot. It was very difficult for me to find community uh, as someone who struggled with same-sex attraction to the point where I needed to make community myself. And so um, I actually started an entire online church, um, discipleship groups, study Bible groups, um, study Bible groups, and <laughs> Bible study groups, uh, because I felt like I wasn't being represented or the issues that I wanted to talk about, that the things that I was dealing with weren't ta being talked about in traditional church structures. Um, but I don't want people to make excuses either, because I, I feel like people who have SSA, they, um, they feel like they're victims to some extent or that nobody else can recognize what they're going through or can empathize with them. And that's just not true. I remember um, I was going to a church a long time ago and I won't say the name of the church, but uh, I remember uh, one of the church members, uh, she was a leader at the time. And I remember going up to her and, and just being like, you know, sometimes it's so hard having same-sex attraction. I feel like nobody understands me. I feel like nobody gets me. And then she's like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm heterosexual and I totally understand what you're going through. And I was like, no, you don't like you're married and you have kids like you don't understand how it feels to, you know, feel lonely, feel alienated. And to some extent, yes, you know, she doesn't understand that aspect. But there's things that we, as as human beings, we all kind of feel all of the time. We all feel alienated. We all feel lonely. We all have sexual urges and temptations, some greater than others. But that shouldn't divide us. That should actually bring us together. And so at the moment, uh, I remember receiving that criticism from her or not, not criticism, but I guess response of being like, you don't, you're, you're not alone in this. I'm also feeling all these things that you're feeling despite being married, despite having kids. Um, and I, and, and at the moment I was like, man, you know, she's kind of right. Like I tend to just like isolate myself because I feel like nobody understands me, you know? And of course you want to have people who understand what you're going through. Um, and, and a better detail and, and intimate detail. Um, and I, and I think that's why I've created communities as I have on discord for, for men who are still struggling with, with same sex attraction and I provide calls for them. And, you know, um, I would say, if you want to find community, come out to my discord. We have calls every single Monday where men are sharing about same sex attraction, you know, um, support calls, um, an entire chat dedicated just for that. But, um, don't alienate yourself in the communities or in the churches that you've been brought into, especially if you have a great local church community. Uh, because you're no different than anybody else. And and if you think that you are different, then I don't know. I think there's some level of pride when it comes to that. I look at my life and I don't think it's any greater than any bigger struggle than any other person because we all have different struggles in different areas. They may not look the same, but it's a struggle nonetheless. 
And so um, I think I think the devil wants to divide us. The devil wants to alienate us. The devil wants us to feel like victims. Um, and so if people are wanting to be there for you, don't push them away just because they don't struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, I would say, you know, continue to help them to understand what you're going through on the daily. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, try to find communities. And they may not be in your backyard. You know, there's not a lot of ministries that are targeting same-sex attraction. Uh, but there are a ton online. There's one in Texas. I, I believe in California, there's another one. Um, and, you know, you can Google it, find it. It's there. And so that's up to you. Question number five. I actually really like this question. So joy is a major fruit lacking in my life. Um, why? All the other ones seem to be there, but joy is little. Um, my friend, I can completely understand with you. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like I don't have joy in my life. Sometimes I feel like I don't even want to live. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, but I think joy is not a feeling. I think joy is kind of a state of mind. It's a being. Like I am filled with joy because I have the life of Christ in me. And nobody can take that away. Because your feelings, they come and go. I think maybe what you you are considering as joy, you're actually confusing with um, happiness. And happiness, yeah, it may seem like you're not super happy. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm sad. Like I'm struggling that day. I have hardships when it comes to ministry. I have hardships when it comes to my friendship. I have hardships when it comes to my family life. I have hardships when it comes to stresses about work and money and ministry, you know. But that doesn't take away my joy because my joy is in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And so nobody can take that away. Um, whenever I think about the fact that I have a relationship with Jesus, that brings me joy. Um, whenever I think about the forgiveness that I have in Jesus, that brings me joy. Um, whenever I think about how I'm not going to spend all of eternity separated from God, that brings me joy as well. And so if you feel like you're lacking joy, I think try to really center in on your relationship with Jesus. When it comes to those things, you know, he's forgiven you. He loves you. Uh, he wants to be in relationship with you. He considers you part of his family. Um, you're always going to have a family for all of eternity to come. Um, it's the whole above Christ in me. That is what is actually supposed to inspire a lot of our joy, uh, where no matter what we're going through, people can look at us and be like, how do you hold it all together? You know, somebody in my family dies or um, I get, you know, God forbid, cancer or something like that. You know, I, I get struck with a sickness um, or, you know, there's a car accident, you know, whatever happens, some horrible things like um, you're not going to be smiling from ear to ear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I got I got cancer today. You know, like that. No one is going to do that. But it's like, where does my joy remain? My joy is in Christ that that cancer can't take away. The car accident can't take away. Somebody dying can't take away. Um, uh, losing a friendship can't be taken away. You know, feeling lonely, that can't be taken away. You always have Jesus. He is the source, uh, source, source, <laughs> source of joy. And so um, I would say that, that for that person, because I mean, I struggle there. I struggle in that area as well. All right. So question number six. How can I grow closer to God? Guys, you don't even, this question I feel like is the, is the question that people always ask. How can I grow closer to God? I think I've answered this so many times, but I will answer it once again. First thing is you want to pray. You just want to communicate with God. Lately, the Lord has really been speaking to me about prayer. And the way that he's been speaking to me is just like communication with him. Prayer is just communication with God. And you can communicate to him in the same way that you would communicate a friend. We have total access when it comes to the Father in the throne room. Um, sometimes I like to think about 
what are the different aspects or roles when it comes to the Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Holy Spirit is the one that's always continually with me, right? As is the Father, Jesus. They're all in one. But Holy Spirit is the one who is doing the work right now with my spirit. Um, it's past my flesh. So it's, it's the one who I can communicate with. Um, and so, you know, things like, hi, good morning, Holy Spirit. You know, like you're here with me right now. Uh, the Father is in the throne room. Jesus is interceding, right? Um, and so Jesus isn't here with me. Uh, the Father is not here with me, even though they kind of are through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there. And, and then also um, through the Holy Spirit, I can petition or talk with the Father in the throne room, um, especially because Jesus is making that intercession. And so to me, whenever I think about prayer, I just think about communication. And so I, I, I talk to him like I would a friend. I'm like, oh, God, you know, today was a really good day, you know, or today was a bad day. And this is why, bop, bop, bop. Or, you know, oh, God, you know, I, I feel like uh, like something I've been thinking about lately is I'm getting old very quickly. <laughs> and uh, being on camera 24-7 uh, makes me aware of that all the time. Um, and I'm like, wrinkles, I have wrinkles. And so I'll just be talking to God. I'm like, God, you know what? I think I need a new skincare routine. Uh, I think I want to invest in some products. Um, I, God, I just pray that, you know, my, my, my skincare... Uh, I, well, I'm sorry, my skin would not look so old all the time. And um, I, well, I don't get, you know, wrinkles and just things that, you know, you would tell to a friend or if you're having some type of drama, you know, it's like, oh, so-and-so did this. Instead of going to your friend and talking about it to your friend, talk about it with God and be like, God, you'll never believe what just happened to me. Like, I, I feel so upset because dot, 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 you know, this is what happened to me. And just talking to him like you would a friend, I think that makes Actually, number one, prayer very enjoyable because if you just come to pray, uh, like if you just come to um, prayer with petitions and just asking God, God, this is what I want, bop, 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 you know, it can feel like, is he even listening? Does he even really care? And it's like, and you're not even really talking to him like you would a friend. And he wants to be our friend. I love the verse. Um, one one thing I've been meditating on is that verse where it says he he desired to be with Adam in the cool of the day. Um, and even when Adam sinned, he was looking for Adam in the garden because he was used to spending time with Adam in the middle of the day, just like randomly talking to Adam. And so um, I think about that for my own life. I'm like, whenever I think he doesn't want to talk to me, he doesn't care about my problems. I think about how he wanted to talk with Adam. He wanted to spend time with Adam and Eve in the garden and how he wants that for us. Like He desires to be friends with us. He desire He's our bridegroom. You know, we are his bride. And so that is the biggest <laughs> example of intimacy we can find all right so question number seven what is your favorite sport <laughs> anybody who knows this is gonna last because everybody everybody knows i don't like sports <laughs> i'm sorry guys i just like i'm a theater kid i like acting i like entertainment i'm not a sports guy whenever sports get turned on i'm like what is this? <laughs> I remember the Super Bowl. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, and you know, I think I think I think one that I can find that I can watch is um, is baseball because it's simple. It's just like you hit the ball and then it just goes flying. And so um, I, I think sports I like to play. I like to play volleyball. Um, I do like volleyball a lot. Um, this this qu question just cracks me up. And, um, and I can play basketball. I actually tried, tried out for the basketball team uh, when I was in middle school and they rejected me. So I have deep, deep hurt of trauma when it comes to basketball because I was rejected from my basketball team. Um, so yeah, thank you for whoever asked that question. Um, all right, so question number eight, I think, eight or seven. 
how to love siblings in the LGBTQ community. So I actually have a friend, a um, very close friend. His name is Malachi. And he also has siblings who are part of the LGBTQ community. And when I answer this question, I'm going to try to put myself in the position of how I felt when I came out to my brother and my sister. I think I was so scared. I just wanted my siblings to tell me that they loved me and that they cared about me and that their opinions about me didn't change and my value in their eyes didn't change. Um, and because I think it's so easy, you know, to be like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Like, who are you? Or why are you doing these types of things? Or do you not care about yourself? Or, you know, you not respect yourself? Or, you know, this is not the kind of moral values that I attach in my own life. Um, and you want, you know, you want the best for your brother and your sister. And so that could really bring a lot of uh, rejection and disappointment to an individual. Um, and so I think just loving on them. And of course, they know exactly how you feel. And, and, and you could tell, you know, if they ask you like, oh, what do you think about me being gay? You could say, look, I respect you enough that whatever decision you make in your life, that is your decision. I will love you. I will always be here for you. But I also have my relationship with God. And this is what I believe is God's order. And, um, and I hope that you will respect that. And I love you and I value you. And I will always want to be your brother and your sister. I'm never going to look at you differently uh, despite any type of decisions you might make. Um, and I will try to be there to support you no matter what and whatever you do. Um, at the end of the day, if your sibling doesn't know who Jesus is or they don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus, even if you were to talk to them about Jesus, they might not be open to it. So once again, use discernment um, and, and, and tell them what you, you know, can tell them in light of that discernment so that they feel recognized, they feel seen, and they don't feel rejected. Um, and just continually being there for them and then praying. Praying is so important. Praying for your siblings. I pray for my siblings all the time. Um, and then just being kind to them. Like, there's going to be things that is going to piss you off. <laughs> I know with my sibling, like, I, I get so upset with so many things that they do. Um, but I love them and I care about them and I want them to accept me and I want to accept them as they come as well. Um, and that's what God does for each one of us. You know, God doesn't abandon us when we decide that we're not going to do things his way or we don't hold up to his moral standard. Um, he's always there to ex um, to like accept us and not reject us with open arms um, and always helping us and giving us grace in areas where we don't deserve. So give a lot of grace to your siblings and you you never know. God just might have an encounter with them where they realize that they no longer want to be in that community because they can't find love, affirmation, acceptance in that community, but they can find that in your family. Can you imagine? I don't think I've ever heard that. I don't think I've ever heard of somebody going to the LGBTQ community and being like, I have more acceptance in my family. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Um, I, I I have heard that some people have amazing relationships with their father and, you know, their mother and stuff. And, you know, they don't judge them and stuff like that. But um, most times it's like my family rejected me. And that's why I'm here in this community finding acceptance. Um, how beautiful would it be if, if that sibling was like, my family loves me, they care about me, they are firm believers in God's word, they are firm believers in going to church and, you know, God's um, order, but they love me. They love me, love me, love me so much. Always there for me, always extending kindness. And I think that's also one of the things that really helped me when it came down to me following Christ is I remember my mom, she was always so kind to me. Um, my mom, she did, 
she sent so much grace in my life. Um, and I really put my mom through hell. <laughs> um, and so she deserves the world. And in my last moments when I was about to take my life um, and I was suicidal uh, before I gave my life to Christ, I remember her. I remember her words. I remember her kindness. I remember her love. And I and I could just remember how devastated devastated she would have been if I did something to myself. And so um, I think that value, that love can go a very long way, especially from a sibling. Um, and, and I long to have that type of relationship with my siblings, uh, the way that most people do, where they like go out with their siblings and their siblings care about their interests and hobbies and love, love them, love them, love them so much. Um, and so I don't necessarily have that with my siblings right now, um, but I'm hoping for the day that I do. And so um, hopefully that was some good advice. <laughs> um, now on to the next question. How can I have hope as a Christian with unwanted SSA? So, okay, this is also another one that I feel like I get a lot. Um, I think when it comes to people who have same-sex attraction, I think their hope is like in wanting to get married, wanting to have a family, wanting to have kids, um, wanting to have that, you know, picket fence Christian life. And that's not our hope. Our hope is in Jesus coming back. Our hope is is in him setting up his eternal kingdom where there's not going to be any more tears, where there's not going to be any more pain, where there's not going to be any more sicknesses inflicted. And, and that's where I get my hope. So it's like, my hope is not in this world and in, and, and what I can receive now, you know, the big house or in the kids or in the families or in the friendships, uh, cause those things, they are going to fade. But my hope is in Christ. Who's going to bring his kingdom that is never going to fade It is forever. It's going to be eternal. And I'm going to have the best friendship with God. And so, I don't know, some people, they think I'm delusional, <laughs> but that's the way that I live. Like that's, that's how I live. It's just like, and this is, and it's a, it, it's a constant battle. It is because the enemy just wants you to think that's not enough. You need something now, you know, but it's like our life now is what? 70, 80, 90 years at most, you know, oh God, I don't know if I want to live till I'm 90. Like, I don't want to see, I want to see Jesus. Um, but it's it's like we only have so many years on this earth and then that now is going to go into eternal uh, eternity i'm sorry and so um i think when it comes to having that unwanted ssa it's like how can i find hope when i'm always constantly inflicted with this struggle everyone has a struggle everyone goes through something if it's not ssa then it is you know lust if it's not lust then it's you know as, I don't know, stealing or uh, thievery, you know, gluttony or something. I have no idea. Like there's, there's all types of sins out there. Seven deadly sins, you know, um, everyone has to deal with something. And so we all have to find our hope in Jesus. And I think people just don't appreciate their relationship with Jesus enough. And so I would encourage someone to really, really dive deep into their relationship with Jesus, like make it a spiritual priority, a, a physical priority. Every morning you wake up and you dedicate some time to spend with the Lord. You're praying every single day. You're reading your word every single day. At least a chapter a day. I remember when I first started in my Christian walk, it was like at least a chapter a day. I was like, I would never miss one chapter. And so I was like, I, I like I would be in bed. It'd be like 3 a.m. I had a really long day. And then my, my brain, Holy Spirit, be like, your chapter. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I got to read my chapter. I pull out my Bible. I'm like right there in my bed, you know. Um, and it's because it was a priority for me 
um, to learn more about Jesus so that he would become my hope. If I'm spending my time watching music videos or, you know, Game of Thrones or playing video games all day, you know, it's like that is going to hurt my relationship with Jesus. It's not bad, but it's like I got to make sure that I'm spending time with God because he is my priority. And spending time with God doesn't always just look like getting in your prayer closet. I want to say that too. Spending time with God is spending time with God anywhere. When you're on the elliptical machine, when you are at work, when you're talking to God about, about someone, I'm sorry, talking to someone about God, you could spend time with God anywhere. And I frequently love to do that. If I'm in my car, spending time with God. If I'm in, you know, waiting at a line in Publix or something, spending time with God. Um, and just make that a priority because if it's like, if SSA is you're, you're thinking about same sex attraction all the time, uh, just my struggle with same sex attraction, my struggle with same sex attraction, then you're not thinking about your relationship with God. And you're idolizing that over your relationship with Jesus. And so when I'm thinking about Jesus, I don't have time to be thinking about anything else. I'm just like, wow, you know, he's so wonderful. He's so beautiful. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Um, and then it can get a little old sometimes. I will agree that it's like, you know, we only have four gospels. I wish we had more books. Uh, but most of y'all haven't even read those four gospels. <laughs> so first read the four gospels before you start getting bored. You know, like I was a seminary student, so I've been through the Bible. Uh, but I've only been through the entire Bible one time. And so it's like, I really don't have an excuse to be bored. Like I have read the stories, but I can go deeper. I, we could always go deeper, I think. Um, and then there's, you know, revelation that you receive from God when you read his word. And so it's, I can read his word, like the same passage, five different times, 10 different times, 20 different times. I receive something different every single time because the, the word of God is alive. And so that's how you can keep your um, relationship with Jesus alive and, um, and, and not entertaining, but just like active, you know, and powerful. All right, so question number, however, however many, how to say no to grinder. So this is an excellent question. I actually, I have been struggling with this a lot this year. Um, a lot of people are in different dating application. Some people are in Christian Mingle. <laughs> some people are on Tinder. Some people are, you know, there's all types of um, applications out nowadays. And sometimes I get lonely, especially here in Florida. Man, I get lonely. I get lonely just because I don't have a bunch of friendships. I don't have a lot of uh, community here. The only community I have is my online community. And so, um, and even then I'm a leader there. So I'm not really there to partake as much as I am to lead. Um, and even though you should partake, but um, I have felt tempted to be like, let me download Grindr. You know, like I could easily, not not for hookups, but I could easily like find somewhere to go. And I remember, I remember when I had Grindr, it was fun. It was fun. Because it was like, I always had somewhere to be. Like, I remember there was parts um, that of Florida that I would just explore. That was fun for me. I'm an explorer, <laughs> Dora the Explorer. I like going, you know, the most I explored was just like random apartment buildings because I was hooking up. I was hooking. I was hooking in the night. And so um, I would go just random people's apartment buildings. But even then, that was just like so fun for me. Like, I was like, oh, I've never been here before. <laughs> like, I've never been to this apartment building before. And I'm like, I could be a Brickle or I could be like, you know, in Daytona Beach or I could be in, you know, wherever. And so I got to explore a lot of my area in New York. Like, I remember one time I went all the way to like Montauk on a train just to meet up with a guy from Grindr. And those are the experiences that I miss. But then it's like, at any point, I could also do that with God or with any of my friendships here in Florida. Um, I think sometimes we idolize things that or we, we like to think to ourselves that it's special when it's not special. And so um, I have missed that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, let me download Grindr. So I have somewhere to be or someone to see. There's always that opportunity. But 
um, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And I think that's the lie that the enemy comes um, to you with, which is just like, just download it. You know, you'll have a better time here. Oh, you'll meet someone. You don't have to get sexual. You don't have to, you know, um, engage in anything bad, but it's like, I don't know, personally for myself, there has been a lot of things that I was delivered from when I first came to Christ that I have gone back. And grinder is not one of those things that I've gone back. And it's like the last thing that I've been delivered from that I'm like, I want to be free from this thing. And so it's just that, like, thank God, like sometimes I have nightmares of just like downloading grinder again. And for those of you guys who don't know, grinder is a, a like you meet up guys. It's an it's an app where you you meet up um, men. And so because um, I've been talking about grinder, somebody, somebody's like, what's grinder? <laughs> um, but that's the one thing that I haven't gone back to. And I don't say it pridefully. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> um, it's like the one thing that it's like I can still hold on. And so um, I think I have taken a lot of pride from the spirit that I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I haven't gone back there. Um, it's by his strength and his strength alone. And just keeping in mind, number one, I'm a spiritual leader. So I think that's scary <laughs> to begin with. It's like uh, it's I am a public figure. So most of you guys are not public figures. Like if someone were to see me on Grinder, like they would instantly recognize me. I'm pretty sure they would recognize me. And so um, a lot of you guys don't have that problem. But I, you know, there's excuses to that too. Like I can easily just like put up a torso picture instead of like a face picture. You know, no one, no one would know who I am. Um, but it's just one of those boundary things that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to keep, um, and I've been able to keep awake from. But I think, I think it does have to do with loneliness for me. And so I would personally, the advice that I would give you some practical advice is just reach out to a friend, tell them that you're dealing with this and, um, and help them keep you in accountability. Like something that was really difficult for me was Snapchat. I had Snapchat for a while and I had to get rid of Snapchat. And so thank God, Snapchat is one of those applications that once you delete it, it deletes forever. And so after 30 days, you cannot go back to it. And so I deleted my account um, and I had a friend help me with those 30 days. Once the 30 days were over, it's like, I couldn't go back to it. All my friends are gone. They're like, I can't make the account again, <laughs> right? Um, and if I did make the account, I mean, I could, but it's like, I already got, you know, once you're free from those things, it's like, you don't want to go back to those things. So um, I've had thoughts about downloading Snap again, downloading Grinder again, but it's just, you know, the Lord has really helped me with the applications. Um, and then just thinking about just like, man, you could really endanger the lives of people who don't have Christ and, um, or even keep people from your death, from their destiny. And that's that boundary that I was talking about in the beginning of just like when it comes to like harming a fellow brother or sister in the faith, maybe they're not even living in the faith, but they could be one day. And then you come and, you know, you tempt them, they tempt you. You're both um, responsible. But it's like, do you want to have that on your conscience that um, that you go to heaven one day and God's like, why were you engaging with this person like this? You know, and I think about that all the time. It's to me, it's like it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth it. Um, and I feel heavily convicted when it comes to those things. And not like I haven't made mistakes before because I have plenty of mistakes. Um, but like I said, I think holding on to that conviction is, is healthy. And, um, and just getting that accountability. Get that accountability from that friend. And, and that's how I've personally been able to say no to Grindr. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Lord, keep it going, please. Um, and so the last question that I have, guys, and then we are going to end the podcast out is, if you could tell your 10-year-old self anything at all, what would it be? Well, this I was thinking about this question. Um, 
I would tell my 10 year old self that God is good and that he is trustworthy, that he is faithful and that he's true. And I get emotional even thinking about that because I think sometimes we doubt God's plan for our lives or we think that he's not looking out for us. And so I would just tell myself, I would, I would tell my 10 year old self, he loves you. He's in every decision that you make. You will never be able to make a wrong decision if you keep him in your, in, in that decision. And he's always looking out for you. He's your protector. He's your father. Um, and he loves you more than anything else in this world. And you have nothing to be fearful of. You have nothing to be scared of. He is always going to be with you. And, um, and he is a good, good father. He is a good, good God. And I think that has been the comfort of my life. Um, that learning that now as a 20 something year old, <laughs> I'm getting old, um, learning that now, um, it's like, I have the freedom to make any mistake and, and know that he's going to love me and he's going to use all evil things for my good. So in reality, there are no mistakes with God. There is just growth and there's just learning and understanding how to be better. And so um, there's no failures because we have the victory in Jesus. We don't have any failures. We have the victory in Jesus. And so that's what I would tell my 10-year-old self because I think I, I struggle with that. It's like, does he really care? Does he really love me? Does Is he going to be with me when I mess up? And yes, yes, he will be. He will always be there. And that is the comfort of my life. And so Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Hopefully this was a good podcast and I answered these questions uh, correctly for those of you guys who submitted the questions. Um, I'll be back in, in two weeks. I've decided that my podcast is going to be bi-weekly instead of weekly um, with a guest and it should be uh, my friend John Clash. And so if you haven't yet downloaded Discord, make sure to download Discord because we have an online church community on there. We have a discipleship program. We have a retreat that's coming up where we're all gathering together because it is online. Um, and so I would say get involved. I want to be able to meet some of you guys who are the followers of the YouTube, TikTok, you know, wherever you might find me. And um, and yeah, stay engaged in the community. And thank you guys so much for just listening to the full podcast. This is a very long time. Thank you for just including me in your life and for, you know, listening to me ramble for an hour or so. Um, I get to do what I love every single day and inspire you guys uh, through my walk with the Lord. And I hope to continue to do this for the rest of my life. And, um, and thank you to everybody who donates to the podcast and keeps it running, keeps it going. And, uh, and you can go to my website, like I said, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. Also, give this video a like if you can and put a comment. It does help a ton. So if you can't give, you can't donate money, at least like comment, the like it, share it, you know, do what you can. Subscribe, follow, do all those things. That helps my channel and my online ministry a ton. So thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>